so proud of me. so proud of me. Cage Breaker. Alright, Cage Breakers. We out here. This is the Cage Breaker Show. Not everybody's an athlete, but you can learn a lot from an athlete. And today, this a this is a special episode. You know, I got somebody that, that I truly admire, I truly appreciate, somebody who is dynamic, somebody who I've got the opportunity to watch grow and elevate and flourish, and I'm just happy to have him on the show. So with no further ado, today we have Mr. Leland Willingham. What's going on, Josh? How you living, bro? I'm good, bro. How you doing? Doing well. I can't complain, man. Um, I'm still here. And we we making progress, breaking cages. Facts, facts. That's what we do, man. We 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 are breaking cages for real. Um, man, for the people who don't know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, hey, uh, Denver bred, born and raised uh, from Northeast Denver. Grew up through Park Hill, um, Northeast Denver, the whole area. Went to school out here. Um, played a little bit of ball as as you alluded to earlier, um, but have really been working towards, you know, uh, expanding who I am, what I'm known for other than just the athlete, right? I know a lot of times we get, you know, shuttled into that small circle when, you know, athletics is just a piece of what we do and what we are. So, you know, uh, I come from a family of brothers and uh, all of us play ball, but all of us all have, you know, other goals, visions, passions, and and lives outside of sports. So, um, you know, went to school in uh, in Central Florida. I graduated at UNC, uh, where yep. I continued to play. Unfortunately, you know, in, injuries uh, really forced me to uh, realize that you know athletics wasn't the only way. So, you know, from that, I. Uh, you know, just took what I had learned from sports and the character that it had helped me build um, yeah. to drive my passion to continue to help other people. Right. If if my story can impact somebody or, you know, provide another outlet of some sort, uh, really just wanted to be somebody who um, could inspire people rather than motivate. Facts. Facts. Man, I love it. I love it. And let's talk about real quick. Let's talk about. How was it just, you know, I think you embody what it truly means to be a cage breaker because, you know, a lot of people get stuck in that cage of being, you know, just an athlete. Um, But I do want to ask you real quick, how was it, man, just being, you know, that top recruit, having the offer from Michigan, Texas A&M, you know, being on ESPN, you know, changing the culture of ESPN, bringing that brick squad mentality to ESPN and making national waves, bro. How was that and what work went into that? Man, it was a lot. Um, It was a lot of weight to shoulder, especially coming from, you know, a a small family, four bed, four brothers in in a two bedroom house. You know, it was uh, we had never experienced anything like that. So for me to go through, you know, getting calls and letters and pulled out of class and, you know, the, the, the high level recruitment and stuff. And this is before you know, the birth of social media going crazy. So I'm, yeah, I'm on a, I'm on a flip phone. The one you used to drop and the battery go one way, the back go this way, the, the front of the phone go the other way. Um, 
but just, you know, experiencing that level of, you know, guys like Dennis Erickson sitting in, his, in your living room with, you know, the, that ring from Miami when he was at Arizona State. I'm not hearing, you know, much of what he says at 17. I'm like, man, I want one of those. Um, you know, the Steve Sarkeesians, the uh, Mike Shermans, that win, um, you know, just being able to meet all of these guys really, again, showing me coming from where I came from, you know, there's another route, there's another path. So just being able to, hey, show that for one of my little brothers. And then, you know, now in a sense of being a dad, it's like there's so many other outlets and opportunities, right? There's 330 billion American dreams. So that uh, that exposure really prepared me for, you know, what was to come some of the next stages in life. Yeah. So you go, you know, do you know that, you know, being, you know, top recruit and everything, um, you make a choice, you go to UCF, man, you make, you make freshman headlines, um, run into some hardships, you know, go to UNC, you still grinding, leading that line life. I think you kicked in the door to make it cool to go in UNC. You put UNC on the map to where they're at, you know, right now today. Um, how does that feel? Y'all don't necessarily uh, <clears throat> look at it that way because there's a a lot of guys who had came through UNC that, you know, I kicked down multiple doors before me. And really what I was just trying to do is to go um, and be who I was, right? There's, you know, you got the Vincent Jacksons, the the Clarence Bumpuses, um, you know, Jace, Pewalk, and uh, – so many other guys, hell, even all the way, you know, Coach Collins and them before it even went uh, D1. You know, it was uh, not the most, you know, appealing destination for people. But again, it was another route, another outlet. And just because, you know, my path isn't the same as yours or it's not as glorified and whatever the case, right? One of the reasons why I even wanted to leave UCF because I felt that I wasn't getting the recognition of the pub out west being in the conference usa you know them games ain't airing out here and it's hard for somebody like me family to get across the country to come see you play so coming home um you know staying home i want guys to start thinking or feeling that you know it's cool to stay home you know you don't have to go somewhere for the name or for the accolade or anything you know being a a hometown kid having that strong line of support system you know, if you go to the Oklahomas and the USC's and the Texas, you look at their roster, majority of them cast is from there, you know. So all the way from the recruitment to the kids who want to make those decisions, yeah, granted, go whatever's going to be best for you in suits, but it's cool to stay home, man, playing in the black and gold or the, the green and gold or the blue and gold, as you may know, right? It's, uh, it's, it's, it is what you make it wherever you go. Man. Bro, there we go, man. And, you know, moving forward, um, obviously, you know, you, as you spoke about earlier, the the injuries happen, man. And, and, you know, due to injuries, you have to stop playing football, bro. Before we jump into, you know, where you are at today, man, talk about that and, you know, how it was going through that. I mean, everybody knows who – Leland Willingham is, you know what I mean? And you definitely let your imprint on the game. But 
being told, you know, because of injuries, you can't play anymore, bro. How was that? In a sense, it's heartbreaking, right? Because something that you've done your whole life is coming to an abrupt end. You know, my last down, my true junior year at UNC, I had no clue that that was going to be my last game. Mm. Half a season with two herniated discs, not even knowing, right? I'm in a position where I can't even stand up straight for six games, still leading, you know, whatever accolades and all that through the conference and everything was cool. But, you know, when my team is or when the defense is on the sideline, I'm the main one standing up. I'm not sitting down. I'm behind the the offensive line, right? The guys that don't necessarily get their name in there. Let's go, line. I'm hyping these guys up because that's really the the support system, the foundation of the offense, right? We go as y'all go. And just because them dudes aren't the ones that are – you know, scoring touchdowns and things oftentimes are overlooked. So I always just try to show them love. Um, granted, a lot of my injuries probably came from going head up with them dudes and practice and all that. I, uh, you know, had a passion against offensive linemen when they are on the other team. And in practice, it came out a little bit, but it was never, you know, I'm not, no Ill, Ill will behind it, right? So when it all did happen my true junior year, man, I wasn't on track graduation rise right we go to through the the big recruitment and all that and you almost sometimes overlook that level thinking about what's going to happen after that so you know all through college i'm league 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 school whatever it'll happen you hear all the stories about the guys that go back and ultimately when i uh realized that the time was uh winding down for me I had to sit back and just, you know, tell myself, man, if granted, whether, whether I have a career like Jerry Rice or Ray Lewis, the majority of my football is behind me. Yeah. So then, uh, then my daughter was born in that same year. So at that point, it was like everything, the whole goal, the whole mission became bigger than me. Yeah. Right. Not just, hey, yeah, I want to do everything that I can do on this field and take it as far as I can. And my pops was always like, you know, use your athletics to get you an education, Thanks. right? You got to use that system the same way that they're going to use you. And while, you know, doing that, right, take advantage of all of the resources that were there. There were so many damn resources and opportunities, um, outlets that I didn't utilize mm-hmm. when it came to education that, uh, you know, could have put me in a better position. But it was ultimately, it wasn't too late when I realized, hey, it's time to get on track, you know. So my true senior year, you know, pulled the uh, my actual medical or my red red shirt, and thinking that things are going to get better. Um, I don't know if you know too much about uh, disc injuries or you know yeah. nerve damage and such. Sciatica, um, it just wasn't uh, wasn't coming back. So I just you know I would be suited up and taped up and got all the you know you hindered in a lot of ways. But ultimately, up here, I didn't feel like me. I knew that I wasn't regular, so I couldn't you know, trust myself to perform that way. So um, after that, my fifth year, right, started pursuing a master's program and such. And ultimately the the need and just the intrinsic, you know, human nature to want to be there around, not that I was never there, but to be there and around my daughter and, and yeah, my grandma, my fiance now, um, I wanted to, 
pursue that more than trying to get back onto the field. So that's ultimately what allowed me to focus on, you know, school and, and graduate in that last semester. And then ultimately just, you know, hang them cleats up. That was the one of the biggest and the toughest, the hardest decisions. But a lot that a lot of what made it easier was because I knew that I am I am bigger than football. Bro, bro, that's facts. And I I I got to witness this whole transition and it was it was um it was motivating, you know, for myself and and all of us to see, you know, because all you always gonna say, you know, how is he gonna react? And I know we spoke and you know, definitely gonna, you know, spread love and everything like that and then pump each other up, bro. From but from you to go to this game you played your whole life, um, and it ends, you know, because of the 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 disc, I wanna get it right, the disc injury and um and things like that and just seeing your whole your whole attitude towards it, like, okay, I'm gonna still work out and seeing how you you did the weight challenge and you dropped all that weight and you know, you you got a six pack and was working out and inspired so many people, man. We we watched all that, which leads into where you are today and why we're so proud of you because you are like a lot of people go pro, but you're pro in a field that truly matters and a field that we don't know a lot about because we're scared. And you took on that challenge and you are changing lives and helping people with their finances and such. Talk about talk about how you got into the business that you're into now. Really, man, it came down to my passion to helping people, man, from, you know, after the injuries and stuff and I got pulled out of school, um, I started working at a youth correction facility. Um, it wasn't a lockdown facility. So, you know, the kids could get up and basically dip whenever they wanted to. Uh, it was it was a challenge at first just because, you know, I'm 23, 24 at the time. So I'm not too far removed age wise from them. And a lot of them, you know, have um, relational boundaries with people and having connection and an attachment um i don't necessarily want to call it disorders but um issues there right so from a lot of these guys having whether it's family members parents brothers in and out of their lives friends that get into these facilities and the same thing is perpetuated right there's such a high turnover in these types of facilities so i really found uh, a passion and and a calling and being somebody that, you know, as a mentor, um, a big brother, so to speak, a counselor, a therapist, a coach, um, really found passion in being able to build relationships with uh, these young men right at the facility. We had a, a regular high school program. We had vocational opportunities. Kids could come in there and get their barbering license or a welding license certifications, really just for a little bit of their time. And granted, you know, the reasons that they're here aren't the same reasons that other people are getting these licenses, right? They got caught up doing something, right? But um, being able to provide and just coach and guide some of these kids through a lot of these uh, different outlets, right? Opportunities they would have never had being elsewhere. So, yeah. you know, I was uh, the head coach on the football team. We played other 3A schools. It was 
it was like that movie Gridiron Gang, right? But we yeah. didn't have a, yeah. a lockdown. So challenging part was, you know, 90% of the kids that I was uh, coaching never played any organized sports in their lives. So getting them to, you know, from my high level of field knowledge, trying to translate that to day one kids was yeah. uh, difficult in a sense. But being that I came from that, um, I understood how to connect with them. So, again, being able to build those relationships and through time, right, I was able to send upwards of 20 kids from our facility as they, you know, transition through the program into college dorms, Adams State, Mesa State, Metro, UNC, whether or not they play ball or not, right? These are kids who came in 15, 16 years old with no sight on college, no sight on even going back to high school even. So um, being able to help them without anything in return, so to speak, right? I felt like I didn't have a job for the four years that I was there because you know, yeah, at the end of the day, I got paid, but, you know, I'm I'm shooting it with the kids. I'm working out with them, I'm coaching them, uh, leading them, just being a mentor. These are all things that I'm passionate about. So turning my vocation into my avocation, combining those, hell, man, I, I didn't feel like I had to go to work. You know, aside from that, the personal training kicked up literally right after uh, leaving school. And I just got tired of having that dad bot, man. And I was reading this stuff from Bruce Lee and just seeing how you can get your mind to connect to the nerves and to your body. And ultimately, right, you saw I was, hell, I had got in better shape than I ever did after football than I ever did during, right? I didn't care about my body during that time. I'm eating Wendy's and after practice and, you know, we, we was college kids, right? We was young. We didn't know nothing about that. And uh, they try to bulk you up and do all this other stuff. But ultimately, my sight became focused on longevity because through that injury, there was times when I couldn't, you know, for one, put my own socks on, let alone pick up my kids and go play around with them. So, uh, you know, from personal training to coaching to working at the youth facility, um, my ultimate passion came down to the common denominator being helping people. When uh, COVID hit, right, 2020, March and April, you know, I got staff that's calling in, hey, I was exposed to somebody who was exposed to somebody who may have been exposed. So you want 10 days off of work. All right, whatever. We can't just send them kids at the facility home. Right. And again, going back to people being in and out of their life, I'm doing, you know, 65, 70 hours a week, overnighting things at the facility, right. Spending more time with other people's kids than my own. It ultimately just became, you know, too stressful on my family and, and myself mentally. And it was just, you know, I, I really loved what I was doing, was so passionate about it because of those relationships and the impact that I was able to have. Right. Again, asking nothing in return. Right. Just giving because I feel like my purpose is to serve. So I took a took a step back, man. And I took about two, two and a half months. And with my family, we just travel. We're camping. We're hiking. We're fishing. We're doing all kind of stuff. Just, you know, trying to catch up on lost time. And uh, I'd be lying to you if I told you how. Uh, I got in contact with Northwestern Mutual, but they reached out and uh, offered me an opportunity, um, not only where I could continue to serve my passion and help people, but through the lens of creating financial plans and breaking these cultural generational barriers that, you know, hinder us so heavily. Right. My parents 
um, my family, I didn't grow up hearing about these things, having these conversations in the household, how to save money, what's a, a 401k um, compound interest, right? The eighth wonder of the world. I was never exposed to anything like this. And, you know, the majority of my friends in the circle that I grew up in, very similar uh, experiences. So um, not to sit here and say that everybody has that, but, you know, from that perspective, I came in with the mentality on, hey, a lot of these complex planning or the financial planning, um, whatever you call it, or a reputation can be very misleading at times, especially to people who may feel that they don't know too much about it or don't exactly know what it is and it'll get a bad rap. So, you know, I really wanted to be able to uh, get people to understand that and, and normalize talking about being uncomfortable or uncertain about their goals or their finances. And, you know, there's multiple different types of financial services. And I think that people should really develop a deep relationship with that advisor. So, uh, you know, again, just being able to spread my impact, right? When Northwestern reached out, I came down and talked to uh, the MD here. And this dude had a very similar mindset to me from the sense of, I'm trying to help people. I'm really personable, but everything that I do is founded on relationships, right? And trust that I'm, that I'm building with somebody. So I just wanted to, again, be able to spread that and continue to serve my passion again now through a different lens because you know, we talk so much about uh, mental health and physical health and relationships. And oftentimes we neglect the financial and the fiscal health. Right. So uh, breaking down that barrier, creating a, a path where it's easy for people to talk to somebody that they can relate to or that they can build a relationship and trust. You know what I mean? No, man, that's real. And I, I need you to repeat that one more time. We focus on, you know, physical health, mental health. Say that. Say that one more time. You know, there's the the three the three most important things in life, one being our health, two being relationships, and three being finances, right? Finances affect the other two. In all of our schooling, we learn little to nothing about, you know, how to be successful in these areas. So then we're spat out into adulthood, fumbling around, trying to figure it out on our own, right? Banging our heads against the wall. Our finances affect those other two areas, right? The the health and the relationships. So looking at it from that perspective, you know, hell, people get into adulthood really with shame, guilt, and embarrassment about, you know, not having any knowledge or being confident and comfortable in those areas. So again, hey, it's, it's something that more people go through, right? And you're, you're probably sitting there next to your closest friends not having those conversations with them, right? We're talking about nonsense. I had to look at my circle and and really readjust there. Like, man, all the conversations that we have, I'm going through our threads and nobody's, girl, we talking about stuff that we talked about 10 years ago, right? We got to start pushing, especially for, for my friends who have kids, right? We got to start thinking really big picture, man. Do you want to be in a situation where, you know, like your, your parents, they 50 and they late 50s, are we talking about retirement? Retirement had always been so abstract to me because I had never seen it. You know what I mean? I had never seen anybody just, hey, hang up the cleats and 
I don't have to worry about running out of income. I don't have to worry about getting up and going back to work. I'm financially free. I'm financially stable because of the steps that I took through my life. Right. And we, there's tons of people. People retire every day. But I had never seen that. So to me, it was it was very difficult in me just having that initial conversation with, you know, my mentor, who's a financial advisor. Right. And how am I going to get people to to want to see and feel and grow in this capacity if I'm not comfortable with it or accepting it in myself? So, you know, transitioning into this field, seeing both sides has really been one of the most transcendent or um, impactful decisions, you know, ultimately that I have made in life. Right. The the growth of my family over the course of the last two years has, you know, the trajectory has just changed so much because of just sitting down and initially having that first conversation with somebody. Man, you you on you on point and you on fire, especially talking about your circle and the conversations you're having. But this is something that's that's real, you know, financials, um, financial services, which leads me to my next question. It's like, what were like some of the skepticisms you had um, when you were introduced to the financial service career? Like, you know, uh, the term financial advisor or financial planning, or when it comes to finance, oftentimes, again, it's, it's very vague. Um, you know, Northwestern isn't just any firm, man. The culture around here is, is very unique. I've never been embraced like this um, by a company or, or anything really outside of college football, especially being, you know, uh, a young black man in, in the world today is rare to find. So, um, you know, understanding that it gets a bad rap and again, understanding how to, you know, be comfortable normalizing some of these conversations. Um, I really break it down to this, man. Financial planning is not about who can get the highest rate of return on their investments, but, financial planning being rooted in tying in together all of a person's goals and really getting to the end with the highest probability of success. Right. Like Nipsey says, and, and as cliche as it is, and people quote it all the time, you know, it's a marathon. Yeah, it's a marathon, not a sprint, but I still want you to win that race. So when I'm coming to uh, talk to, to my clients and the people that I've helped, you know, over 150 individuals over the last year, um, you know, seven eight hundred different conversations whether or not you know we're moving forward with things if i was able to plant that seed and get you to start thinking bigger or you know i'm gonna ask you some questions that the people around you aren't asking you not in the sense of making you uncomfortable right in order to be great you got to be comfortable being uncomfortable in some situations but i'm asking you these questions for one because i care once you tell me that something's important to you it becomes a focus of mine to help you achieve that. So, you know, I saw an opportunity here to continue to pursue my passion to help people and took a leap of faith, telling myself, hey, plan B is just plan A all over again, right? Um, my fiance is like, damn, it's probably one of the worst times in the world that you could, uh, or in history that you could get into the finance industry. And I'm like, well, hell, there's so much opportunity right now from seeing, you know, single mothers or, single parents, uh, low-income households, um, even people who had high net worths struggling over the pandemic, right? Over that course is really when I built the foundation 
uh, of my business because, again, I was able to show people that there's another way. Right. So rather than people being avoided and having these conversations, right, they're open to it. Right. Listening um, again, talking to somebody that they're that's not focused on what's in their pockets, but what's in their hearts, what's in their minds. Where can I go? How can I move forward? Right. We're trying to push that needle and not talking about, you know, if you compare it to climbing Mount Everest. Right. You know, 80 percent of the people that die on Everest die on the way down. Right. Consider that to be like retirement. Everybody has a plan where a lot of people have a plan on how to get there. Not necessarily on what the distribution phase is going to look like. So rather than, you know, hell, Josh, how many times have you run a lap or a gasser or a suicide in one step? Don't. Yeah, don't. Right. So chipping away at these mountainous goals like buying a home. Right. We break that down into little steps. Right. We go from zero to 10 rather than going from zero to 100. And then as I'm continuously meeting with people, whether it's quarterly, semi annually, annually updating your plan, keeping it in line with your different life stage changes. Right. Hell, you probably hate to start putting your money with somebody and this dude never talks to you again. So, you know, a lot of my clients probably get tired of me calling, asking to, hey, save more money or uh, continue to invest in yourself. But again, ultimately, what I want you to do is to finish that marathon. I still want you to win and you're not competing with uh, the Joneses over here. You competing with what you know, where you've been. Right. I meet people where they're at. And oftentimes it's never where their feet are worried about what's going to happen in the future or, you know, regretting something that happened in the past. Right. And in, in both scenarios, I want to meet you again and, and ground you and understand that, hey, these complex needs or deals aren't that complex. Right. We just have to start somewhere. The first step is figuring out what you want. And then getting with somebody who can help you get there. Facts, facts. You know, in in your own experience or just, you know, reflecting on your clients, like how does like one's money history play into a part of like how you run, you know, your practice or how you approach the financial planning? You know, some of the first uh, questions that I asked somebody in our initial convos would be, you know, hey, are your parents still alive? If so, how are they doing? Great. Retired, separated. Cool. What types of things did you learn from them personally, professionally, financially that you want to replicate or you don't really want to emulate? Right. So I'm getting a feel for what matters to that person or, you know, really what type of mentality that they have around it. Right. What type of reservations or um, anything that they have in relation to it. Getting a feel for that so I can really tailor in how I'm going to build a plan for them, because, you know, there's other companies where you got the cookie cutter. Hey, here's a. 28 year old married to another 28 year old they got two kids this is their income that's what fits them right if anything recommendation whatever the case that i would make to anybody doesn't fit their goals and the things that they tell me are important i'm not gonna bring we're not gonna have a conversation about that right you know in, in most americans in fact about 85 percent of people have anxiety just about money about 75% of them say that it affects their health. About one in three people worry about finances daily and 
you know, two out of every three adults probably are going to outlive their uh, retirement savings. Right. So thinking of it from this perspective, about 85 percent of money that's saved in America happens after age 88. Or 58, excuse me, after age 58. Right. So. People not really understanding, you know, there's advisors who work with super high net worth people. Right. And their competition may be another advisor or a business opportunity or such. Right. And in our culture, oftentimes what our competition, so to speak, is, you know, a pair of Jordans or a cable bill or human nature, you know, so I can get an understanding for somebody's human nature when ultimately human nature is the greatest defeater of any wealth accumulation. Right. That's why things like a 401k are structured the way they are to work that way. It takes that money away before it goes into somebody's pocket. Usually when that money comes into somebody's pocket, first thing they're thinking is, well, what can I get with this rather than how can this grow for me or or push me beyond the next paycheck? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's that's you coming with that that heat today, man. Um, you know, and, and you're absolutely correct, man. And it's, it's something that we don't some that is needed and something that you know is in our everyday routine but some we 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 don't we don't really give it the respect we need to man so i appreciate you and what you do um you know to that point it's like do you ever see like what do you see like negative say like negative money experiences like when you see people with negative money experiences like is that is that a motivator or is that a hindrance to like how people deal with finances. I think it, it creates a lot of reservations with people um, early on, right? If they feel that they don't make enough to have a conversation with an advisor or a planner, or um, they feel like they got to pay off a ton of debt before they start saving money, right? To be quite frank with you, I know homeless dudes who can save 50 bucks a month, right? Let Yeah, it's it's hard for some of us to kind of wrap our minds around that, right? Nobody wakes up saying, I want to start stashing 500 bucks, you know, in a, in a savings account or whatever the case every month, right? Oftentimes it's somebody pushing them to do so. So when I see, you know, people who've had negative experiences or positive experiences, but they've ultimately took that first step and whether it's, you know, them doing it on their own, I really compare it to getting up and going to the gym, right? I can step into the gym and, wheeled around all the weights in the world. But if there's no intention behind it, you're not going to wake up in six months and a year and see any cuts or, you know, no progress there. So what I want to get people to start focusing on again is taking that human nature aspect out of savings and growth and really automating the saving strategy, so to speak. So, you know, the people that I see to have a uh, very uh, substantial or, um, really just strategic wealth pictures is because they focus on saving even when they don't want to. Right. So if you look at it from a, again, a, a training perspective, Josh finally worked out when I felt great, I'll probably be a, a fat SOB. You know what I mean? If I only save money when I, when I felt like it, chances are I'm probably going to be in the same position next year that I am today. So, yeah. 
you know, there's a concept that I uh, I talk with a lot of people about, man, and it's called paying yourself first, right? And, and why that's so critically, critically important is, um, you know, we're thinking about the dollars that we're not willing to spend before we pass. You know, people will save far more money for retirement or their goals when you take the effort out of it, right? And that's what I'm talking about, automating the saving strategy. So again, the, the clients who I have who successfully build their wealth picture are the ones who are successful at accumulating for their future needs without thinking about it. They do it when it's difficult. They do it when they don't want to, right? When you wait, if you woke up and hit the snooze this morning, chances are your day is probably going to be a little bit behind, if not a ton, right? So thinking of waking up and wanting to save 50 or 500 or a thousand bucks a month initially the human mind it pushes back right it's uh what would that feel like it's going to constrain me in other areas of my life i'm not going to be able to do this right but we're building those savings muscles over time what happens when you get up and go to the gym you start the hard part is starting getting up and going at 4 a.m for two months that third month the easy piece becomes increasing in weights so as I'm meeting with somebody, you know, say January last year and hypothetically, right, they do start saving five a month. Right. When we're meeting again this January. Right. And I'm you know, no name dropping or anything. Right. It becomes part of the budget. It's automatic. They don't even notice it. A year later, they reflect back saying, you know, it's hard to get used to at first, but I made it work. Now I don't notice it. At this point, I probably gotten a raise. Maybe my cash flow from the business has increased. Then that's when they just start to start biting that bullet and saving more. Right. So they get that initial strain or you go work out. It's sore at first. Next week, we throw in another plate on. That's the easy part, increasing in weights after we've consistently built those habits. So I related a lot back into training and in the sports because, again, man, financial health, fiscal health just as important as our mental and physical health these days. Powerful, bro. Powerful. You know, you go from being this four-star, all-American linebacker, putting on for the brick squad, you know, running the Western region, you know, offers from Texas A&M, Michigan, Washington, everywhere. Offers from everywhere. You know, you go to UCF. You do your thing as a freshman, UNC, you do your thing. But now you were you were doing your thing as the office linebacker. Terry Tate. The office linebacker, man. Tell us, tell us who the office linebacker is and what you want people to know about what it is you do. I want people to well, first off, the office linebacker, man, that's me, right? I'm not the uh, the average size guy in a in a corporate situation, right? I'm not giant or anything like that. But um, I like carrying that mentality with me. And I don't know if you can see back here, um, this rhinoceros, man. This I got a ton of these all over the office because of what they symbolize. I know I grew, you know, through the lion life stuff and all that, but you know, for one, what's a rhino scared of? Probably nothing, nothing, maybe another rhino. You know, rhino gets up, puts on his rhino clothes, and 
brush his little rhino teeth and he starts trucking through things all day right without any regard for what else is going on right i got my mind set on something and i'm focused on checking this box then i'm asking what's next right it's about having resiliency relentless forward momentum so continuing to grow you know we talked about the circle earlier and had to you know not that is it's negative relationships or anything but hey we just are not moving in the same direction anymore and sometimes in order to grow you have to go so um you know working with uh some of the people that I, i've been able to help right i help them see that they can make progress even if it's baby steps right um if if these things become hard for them right i bring people back to their goals and the things that are important to them right uh what are these goals? What's important to you? What do you want to create? What type of legacy do you want to build? What do you want to leave behind? What would you protect? Um, you know, very few people go through that thought process or have those conversations with their circles. So they just spend time doing things and end up in places that they don't really even want to be. Right. I, I help people think about what they want and then build long term relationships with them to help them continue to take steps towards them right now. Hell, it's like I'm the I'm the GPS in the passenger seat. You got to drive that that ship or that that vehicle. You know, if you look at it from a, again the football perspective. So last year in the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes didn't have any time in the pocket for his investments. Tariq Hill, Travis Kelsey, right to get downfield or to get open. He didn't have any protection, so week one in this first this last this most recent this current nfl season was the first week in nfl history that a team had five offensive linemen make their team debut on week one so they went and got a whole new protection plan for their biggest asset right their their driver if i if i'm talking to somebody about you know building their their financial plan around their you know their profession their personal goals that person is the Patrick Mahomes, whether the mother or the father of their family, of their goals and their and their direction. Right. That's the leader there. So making sure initially, hey, we have the proper protection we need in place so that we can allow, you know, some of these other tools or, or vehicles basically to get open for us. Right. Or, or to grow and to build. We have a foundation. We have a base and that's what i saw lacking so much through you know or what the what the pandemic really exemplified right or really exposed so many people didn't have a plan didn't have any protection right so when you know what we choose to do with our money and what we know that we shouldn't but we don't do right it's scary and in talking to somebody like you know, or an advisor or whatever the case, you don't know exactly what it is they do. And then you got to have a ton of money to start investing. And you got to pay off all this debt first. Well, hell, you know, if you go and try to you know, pay off all your debt before you start saving, chances are you're probably going to acquire some more debt over that same time and really just continue going in that same circle and never start saving. So I help people again, break these things down, taking them step by step and doing it in a sense where, hey, we can save and pay down debt but we're building systematic strategic processes that are easy for us to wrap our mind and our heads around is doable, but it's also meaningful, right? 
the comparison from, you know, throwing all the waste around and six plates on here. What is, is that doing anything for you? Is that meaningful or are you just in here doing it to do it? Right. So I want to, I want to push people and challenge people to be the, the driver of their own success, but also holding them accountable in a sense of, Hey, you told me this was important to you. This is what we got to do to get there. Right. So without it being so, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'm ready yet. If that's the mentality that you come in, you'll never be ready. Right. And I'm not, I'm not, you know, charged. I don't have no consultation fees to, to meet with you or anything like that. Really what, to, what my goal is to do is hey, to find out what's important for you. Show you what my process is like. Learn a little bit about your goals and your future. And then, you know, make the determination on whether or not it makes sense for us to, you know, dig deeper in that sense. But again, hey, you being that Patrick Mahomes and your, your plan, I'm just in the in the passenger seat with the GPS, man. You got to really drive that, you know, like a coach. You could put somebody in position, but if they don't make the right reads, they're not making the right decisions and the choices, you know, so uh, helping people build accountability in that perspective, man. And that office linebacker mentality coming in with the, you know, the the theory of the rhino and such, right? Uh, two inch thick skin, man. There's not too much that can really stop me. So I'm talking about that in relation to my own financial planning. Because once I started, you know, once I put in a plan for my family, everything started to elevate. Home search, um, new, you know, up to date vehicle. Um, the savings started to compound, right? Education, things like this all debts becoming paid off while still accumulating in the same sense, right? Getting engaged, right? The quality of life just improved in so many different areas and zones. Um, hell, I, 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 my only regret is I wish I would have started sooner. No, man, that's, you coming with that, that fire, that Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> man, and, protection but it's but the, the crazy part is it's real you know you're protecting um the clients and everything like that protecting and that way they can protect it's, it's just the way man the way you put it was so perfect um i even visualized it you know what i mean um and helping people with their investments and things like that and also what they said they wanted to do you know you said you wanted this. You said you wanted that Super Bowl. Okay, let's go get it. I'm gonna help you. You know what I mean? Um, and you just being an asset to your clients and um, financial services is phenomenal. Um, my last, my last, it's a two part question. I, I gotta ask you. Um, do you feel you're a cage breaker, and what cages have you broken out of? Feel like i've outgrown the cage and not in a sense of hey I'm, I'm bigger than life or anything like this but in what i limited myself to think that i was able to do right um you know if you put a shark in a pond regardless of the amount of and variety of prey options it'll never outgrow that pond and it won't grow to its full size and its full potential Right. But if you look at something like, let's call it a, a, a sequoia tree. Right. You know anything about sequoia trees? Yeah, you're the first person to put me on. So sequoias, 
they're limited to one forest in the Sierra Nevada's 5,000 to 8,000 feet on one slope of a single mountain range. But a sequoia will never cease to expand, right? This is a, a tree that grows from a, a two-inch pine cone, right? Comparative to that mustard seed story, right? You know the story about the mustard seeds, right? A two-inch pine cone grows into a tree 310 feet tall, 40-foot diameter, two-foot thick bark, right? From a two-inch seed, the bark on this tree protects it from forest fires. It's not fire resistant, fireproof, right? Fire resistant. It goes through so much to get to that stage, though, in order for that seed to actually basically be planted, right? Germinate, whatever, the, whatever you call it. It has to go through extreme heat, right? Forest fires for that seed to crack open, for it to even take root, right? Now the sequoia grows to be so big, and then much of it, what we see in comparison, you know, things like a, a what is it, the uh, the ice, an iceberg, right? You only see the tip of the iceberg. You see the entire sequoia tree. Its roots are only about six to twelve feet. You think something this big has to be firmly rooted in deeply right but it's given right you see it is its canopy basically creates its own fog which it waters itself with it needs about five to eight hundred gallons of water a day if it's, it doesn't rain that consistently so what it does is it creates its own rain right it uh when there is no way it finds one right forest fires burning down everything else in its path sequoia is still standing and actually almost like a birth from ashes like something like a that phoenix the bird right now that seed is planted and it begins to grow and, and take root there in that soil so amongst all odds against all odds right it's continuously expanded some of them over three thousand years old right yeah. the most yeah massive living things by volume right they create their own ecosystems right they have shallow roots but they don't they're not worried about that aspen that's burned up or that's bending in the breeze yeah they're not you know affected by these pine trees falling and burning up around them right they're continuously expanded reaching higher aging learning adapting doing just because its mentality is unlike any tree or plant around it. Powerful. I'm a tree hugger. Powerful. <laughs> nah, tree. man, that's it is. Hey, it's powerful. My last, um, my last question: What's, what's one piece of advice you want to leave with the world? You know, with with an unpredictable array of opponents that got no off season, right? Life's a little bit different to sports. No playbook, no shot clock to stop the action. Endless setbacks, challenges, roadblocks that force most people out of the race. My response is is, is simple. If you can't do it yourself, you better create the mother who can. Mm. 
And there we have it. There we have it, man. Bro, I appreciate you um, taking the time out to 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 come on the show and and, and drop that knowledge. And I, I appreciate what you you know what you're doing out here um, to help, you know, to help the world, to help the communities, um, and really be that staple for financial literacy. Um, because it's something that affects everybody. It's more important than a lot of things we place our importance in, but it's just that lack. So I appreciate you being the one to, you know, step out and, and, and provide that, you know. So yeah, thank you. Know, bro. I appreciate, you know, the opportunity, man. And you're always showing love to everybody. And that's really what, uh, what sets you apart. I know we didn't talk too much about this as well, but, you know, I saw you go through injuries, right? And whether or not yeah. you know, how deeply or or how much your story can affect somebody right a lot of what i was going through my head on, on training days in the trainer room or whatever the case is josh is getting through it josh is getting through it and you know just the, the mission and the moves that that you've made to get to the point that you are and just to continue to push forward right relentless forward momentum right your, your story and the way that you move man affects so many people so um you know if you could be impactful do it do it always always leave leave a positive impact on somebody whether it's a it's a smile some you know kind words never know what somebody's going through or, or they struggles love bro i appreciate you man um and i'm so proud of you so proud of you and um Again, we we appreciate you and, and, and continue to flourishing, bro. Yeah, no doubt, bro. I appreciate the opportunity, man. Thanks for having me on yes, the show. Yes, sir. Cage Breakers, we out here. So proud of me. It's so proud of me. It's so proud of me. Cage Breaker. Cage breaker.